Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. I remember years ago, today's family service, so all of our kids are in here with us. Normally we have children's church and the kids are having their own thing. But every fifth Sunday, all of our, we call it family worship because... We want our families to know that they're part of this body and they're not going to be removed and divided and those kind of things. And so we want to make sure that's there. I remember as a little kid sitting on about the third row, center aisle, in a church and I would snuggle up to my dad and he would open his Bible. Now, I don't know if you know... uh, when my dad would open, he had a real thin Bible that had real thin sheets and he would blow on the pages to get them to, to separate I remember that vividly, and I'm so grateful being raised in a family where my dad opened the Word with the family. Not only on Sunday morning, but I remember growing up and my dad would holler at my brother and I, and we would run and jump in mom and dad's bed, and my daddy would open the Scripture, and he would read. Now, my dad wasn't a real good reader. He went through the 10th grade and then went to war. He wasn't a real good reader, but he is a real good explainer. He would read the Word, and then He would tell us the story. And I remember, my mom was the teacher. She taught Sunday school. She taught, and she would would design things to help tell the story. But I remember growing up, the power that when the Bible was opened in my family, there was a reverence and a respect and an awe of its truth. I grew up, and I'm so glad... Knowing that the Bible was something extraordinary. Took me a lot of years to learn more about it and to really understand some things that the Bible says. But I remember those early days. And what I want to say to our family is don't ever underestimate how much your children want to know what mom and dad see in life. Besides everything else they see in this world... They are specifically watching and learning and growing through your influence. And I just want to applaud you as parents, and especially by including your family in a time of worship and gathering together as the body of Christ in this time. If I were to ask you if you believe the Bible, what would you say? Yeah, we're in church. Well, if I were to say, do you believe the Bible is accurate and reliable today? Yeah, you're still in church. If I were to ask you why you believe the Bible is accurate and still reliable today, a lot of times what we would do is we'd say, well, that's what I was taught. Well, that's what, you know... Here's what I would have said, because it's God's Word. Because it speaks to our lives. And it's, you know, you could say it's been handed down for generations upon generations. For over 3,500 years, we've had a recorded Scripture. You understand that it's understanding that the Bible is something unique. 66 books put in one volume. And yet, in our day-to-day The Bible is something we say we believe and something we rarely involve our lives with. That's why my theme of the study is on my words, not just the Bible. 
I'm concerned that it's so easy to say we believe something when we really have no practical experience or understanding of it. I can tell you, I believe in calculus. I took it in college. I don't have a clue yet what I took. I passed because I had a roommate that knew calculus. I believe in hair. I really do. But life has thrown me a curve. It's not near as easy to take care of as it used to be. Because it keeps disappearing. Here's what I'm saying. The devils believe and tremble. It's religiously correct to say we believe God, His Word, and His truth. The devils believe that and they tremble. It doesn't seem like men are trembling at the Word of God anymore. So why is the Word of God something special? I want to share with you. Last week we talked about the Word and how important it was. And this morning I want to continue on that theme about my words, God's Word. Last week we looked at, at 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. It said, As all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Today I want us to look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and powerful, And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, when I read those two scriptures, when I was being brought up most of my life, I thought those two words were saying the same thing. When I think of the Word of God, I think of Scripture. So when, when I see the Word of God or I hear you say the Word of God, I think Bible. I think book. The Word of God. Book. Bible. Because that's the way I was brought up. Now, don't misunderstand. I wasn't taught that. It's just what I caught. That when the Bible talks about the Word of God, it's talking about the Bible. But as I've grown and I've understood, and what I want to share with you, and one of the things I want to share, especially for our young people that are here, I want you to understand the Bible is an absolutely unique book with an absolute authority in the life of people. And it is important. It's not a book among all books. It is a unique book. There's books and learning all around, but there's one book that that leads to life. But it's not just a book. That's what I want to talk to you this morning about. I want us to look at the Word of God. And when I think of it, I want to show you that they're not the same as what I thought. And probably not what you thought. You see, in 2 Timothy, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Greek word for Scripture is graphe. We get our word graph. It literally means to write. To write. So all the writings is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. But in Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God, and the word there in Greek is logos. Logos. It means word. It's talking about the word of God, and the message of God, and the meaning of God, and what God has to say. 
Yes, the Bible is the Word of God, but the, but the Word of God is not essentially in the Bible, as, or essentially the book as a book. No reference in the Bible itself to the Word of God, as far as I've been able to find, is a clear reference to a document or something written. When the Scripture talks about the Word of God, it's talking about more than just a written document. In fact, the Word of God predates Scripture. The Word of God was around before anything was written down. Well, let me show you what I'm talking about. Psalms 33, verse 6. It's going to be on the screen. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. Well, if the Word of God is a, is a written document, it could read, By the written document, the heavens were made. So what I'm talking about is when the Word of God is used in Scripture, it's not talking about just a book. It's talking about God, His words. And I want to share with you, why is that important? What is the Word of God? I want to share with you, the Scripture teaches that the Word of God is at least three things. First of all, the Word of God is a person. The Word of God is a person. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, that sounds like it's talking about, it, and it's logos. But look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is that Word talking about? Jesus. First, first, John 1, 1 is talking about Jesus because it's explained in verse 14. Well, some people disagree with that and say, well, it could have been something. It, now, listen, even in Revelation, when Jesus is coming again, and it's just said in Revelation nineteen thirteen, He, Jesus, was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called the Word of God. So, first of all, before... Anything was ever written down, there was a person who was himself the Word of God, who was the express image of God, Hebrews 1 tells us about. He came to be flesh and blood, and we call his name, he was told to be called the name Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. So the first Word of God, first thing, the first part of that I want you to understand is the Word of God is a person who was in the beginning in the Godhead before anything else was made. And without him, nothing was made. The Word of God is a person. Number two, the Word of God is a dynamic declaration. The Word of God is not only a person, but it is what God says. It's a dynamic declaration. The Word of God is the spoken message of God. It's what he says. It has power. In Genesis 1, seven times we see, and God said... And God said, and God said, God said, let there be light, and it was. He said seven times. So the Word of God was God's chosen means by which everything was brought into being. The Word of God was a declaration with such power that it created the universe and all that's in it. All energy, matter, and life. Not only that... But the whole universe is being held together, Hebrews 1.3 says, by the word of his power. The word of God is a dynamic declaration. But listen to me. But it can't be separated 
from the person. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It's not on the screen. I don't want to read it to you. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and their own earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist or are held together. So, The person, Jesus, in the midst of the Godhead, spoke everything that is, and when they spoke, it had the power to create. And everything that we know was created by the Word of God. So the Word of God is a person. The Word of God is a dynamic declaration. Now, we get to the thing. The Word of God is a document. It is a document. Throughout history, God has caused a part of what he has purposed to say to be written down in documents. Beginning with the books of Moses. This continued through chronicles, through the prophets, through the apostles. And in the fourth century, they became recognized as the official canon of the scripture or the Bible. And just as the visible, physical Jesus was the express image of God in bodily form, the published book, the Bible, is a record of the message of God in printed form. You say, preacher, what does this matter? It matters a big time. Because let me tell you, you can read the book, but not know the person. You can read the book and even say that the book says and not get the power of what it's saying. So, let me see if I can help you to understand. The scripture is to Jesus, the eternal word, what a picture is to a person. In other words, when you read the scripture, you get a picture of Jesus. Today, we take it with our iPhone. The picture is not the person... But it is an express image of the person. The scripture is a faithful representation of the message and the person that, of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Another say, the scripture is it's like the music to a symphony. The sheet music. How many of you have ever been in band? Well, I've never been in band, but I raised my hand. The symphony, the sheet music has all the notes, but the symphony is not the sheet music. The symphony is the expression or the message of all of what the notes are saying. You play your, there's all kinds of parts in a symphony. Everything in a symphony, though it's written down. Let me tell you, you can have the sheet music and not know how to play. Anybody identify with that? In other words, I can look at the sheet music and I can say, hmm, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of graffe. A lot of things, a lot of notes. I know they're notes, I just don't know what to do with the notes. Another, here's the best way I know to explain it. The scripture's like the menu to the meal. Now, how many of you know what a menu is? Right? Even at storms, you have a menu. 
There's a menu. It is a, an expression of what the meal is. It is accurate. It is reliable. It is the Word of God because of who it's expressing. Okay, we're going to get to Hebrews 4.12 in just a minute. But I want to lay this because here's what I'm not talking about three different things. I'm talking about three ways of looking at the Word of God. The Word of God is a person. The Word of God is a dynamic declaration with power to accomplish. And the Word of God is a written document by which I can encounter God. All three. I'm not saying either or. I'm saying all included. You see, when I see a picture on a menu, I expect when I get my meal that I've ordered it to look like the picture on the menu. When I read the Scriptures, listen to me, I can have the confidence that what the Scripture is telling me is a picture of what God's really like. What God's really said and what He's really promised. The Bible was never given to us to inform us To give us information. The Bible was given to us that we might have life transformation. So when I'm talking about the Word of God, I'm talking about the person, the dynamic declaration and the document. The glory of the Bible doesn't lie in its print or its grammar or its translation, but in its ability through the Holy Spirit to point me to Jesus, the living Word, And in the beginning place of redeeming revelation, as well as the gauge and the guide by which all subsequent revelation is tested. That brings us back to the text of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God, now think when I say that, I'm not saying about just a book. The word of God, person, declaration, and document. Is living. Is living. That word living is zeo. It means to be alive. It's life giving. Jesus used the same word when he said in Matthew 4. 4, Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That what God is saying is a life. Is alive and it's life giving. The words of God are alive with God. With the God who speaks them. John 6.63 says it this way. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Many of you know I, I enjoy the message translation. And Eugene Peterson uh, was the one who authored that over many years. And uh, I found this that I think so speaks. Eugene Peterson wrote this. As God's word written, the scriptures are a great but mixed blessing. They're a blessing because each new generation of Christians has access to the fact that God speaks, the manner of his speaking, and the results of his speaking. The scriptures are a mixed blessing because the moment the words are written... They are in danger of losing the living resonance of the spoken word and reduced to something to be looked at, studied, interpreted, but not heard personally. From the moment that word is written, it's separated from the voice that spoke it and therefore depersonalized. When a word is spoken and heard, it joins the speaker and the hearer into a whole relationship. And then he wrote this, the intent of revelation 
is not to inform us about God, but to involve us with God. When you pick up the scripture to read in your daily Bible readings, here's the invitation from heaven. Let's do something. Let's get involved. I'm inviting you to hear what I'm saying and be involved with me in your living. When I open the Scripture, every time I open the Scripture, I shouldn't look at it as something to be interpreted, something to be looked at and studied and say that I know or even memorized for the sake of memorization. I look into the Word in order to get the invitation from the Father that says, let's walk together. Let's learn together. I've got good news for you. Wouldn't it change how you read the Bible if you, if you realized that it wasn't a duty you had to do, but it was an opportunity and an invitation by God Almighty to say, I want to join you in what you're going through. It's alive. It's living. We must allow the Bible to move out of the realm of printed factual knowledge into the realm of living, empowered truth. I've got to let the Bible... Folks, I can't let the printed ink embalm the message of God to a book. The printed ink can become embalming fluid, and all you know is what God has said. You know what you read. You don't know the God who said it or what He's doing in the world today. It's important that you understand that the Scripture is a part of the Word of God, yes, but it is not limited to a page. It's alive. The next word, it's powerful. The Word of God is living and powerful. The word powerful there is in the Greek is energeus. We get our word active, working, efficient, effective, operative, or powerful. The Amplified Version says that verse this way. For the Word of God, the Word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. In the Old Testament, God said this. Isaiah 55:11 So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what i desire and without succeeding in the matter for which i sent it here's the point that most of us miss every word of god has his living power on it it is operative it will accomplish what he's saying. In other words, it has the dynamic declaration. It has the power to do what he's just said. The word itself, because God is in that word. So when God gives you a word, he's not asking you to agree with him so that it will be done. He's asking you to agree with him so that you can participate what's going to be done. It's alive and it's powerful. That means that when God speaks a word, it has a living power to accomplish what he said. You may not know how it's going to happen. You may not know when it's going to happen. You may not know where it's going to happen. But you can have the same confidence in the word as in the God who said it. The word carries the full creative power to accomplish the purpose of God. As I was studying this week, I read a story. It comes way back. Uh, George Whitfield, in a great awakening, he was an 18th century evangelist in England, and uh, he was constantly hounded by a group of detractors who called themselves Hellfire Club, the Hellfire Club. 
And they derided his work and they mocked him. They'd attend his, his meetings and, and mock and laugh. And one, on one occasion, this is the story, one of them, a man named Thorpe, was mimicking Whitfield to his buddies. He got up on a stool and he was stood there before his audience and he... And with marvelous accuracy, he repeated Whitfield's sermon with Whitfield's own imitation and his gestures and his voice and his vocabulary, as well as Whitfield's sermon on Jesus. And all he was doing, all of this, to the applause and laughter of his infidel club, re-delivering Whitfield's sermon, and all of a sudden he stammered and he paused and he stopped and he sat down and he buried his face in his hands and he began to sob. The word he was mocking pierced his heart and he was converted on the spot. While he was mocking the evangelist, God's word powerfully changed his life. And in a moment he stood up to his friends and his cronies who had been laughing with him and he told them what had just happened. The Hellfire Club disbanded. It never met again, and Mr. Thorpe went out to preach the gospel that he had once made fool of. The power of the Word of God, it's living and active, effective. And then it says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. For time's sake, I'm not going to go into all these words. I studied them out and stuff, but I, I, I'm going to be sympathetic to your hunger. <laughs> Let me just give you this, because this is the message. God means what He says. What He says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. God's words, like a surgeon's scalpel, it cuts through all the prejudice, it cuts through all the doubt, it cuts through all the fear, it cuts through everything, every defense we might put up, the Word of God penetrates and exposes. I've always seen that as negative. I'll be honest, I've seen that as negative. You know, the Word of God's going to cut you, it's going to divide, it's going to... All of a sudden... In my study, I saw this is not negative, it's positive. The Lord is cutting through everything to get you to the place to where you hear Him and you do it. Why? Because of the powerful effectiveness of the Word and the healing that will work in your life. The salvation, the redemption, the power. The Word of God cuts through everything, laying us open to listen and obey. But why? Why? How many of you know that I want you to, when you read the Scripture, to read it in context, right? Context means that everything's before it and that which comes after it. Hebrews 4.12, I've just kind of pulled it out and I've, we've, we've looked at it. But in the context, Hebrews 4.12 starts with 4. You know, when you're reading Scripture and you have a therefore or a for, then you need to know what the for is there for. <laughs> so for makes you look back. It, what the context of Hebrews 4.12 is talking about has to go all the way back to Hebrews 3.7. I want you to look at it. Hebrews 3.7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, 
Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. It's a quote from Psalms 95. And the context is the writer of Hebrews is telling the, his, the people that Hebrews is written to a people who were tempted to turn their backs on God. They had become Jews. They were Jews that had come to believe that maybe Jesus was the Christ, all this. But, but because of persecution and because of different teachings, they were being tempted to go back to Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is warning them about this. And in Hebrews 3, he says, it's just like in Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, meaning God's word, if you hear the word of the Lord... Don't harden your hearts as they did in the wilderness. What did they do in the wilderness? God brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He was taking them into the promised land. And they, it says they could not enter. This is Hebrews 3 through 4. They could not enter because of their own disbelief or their unbelief or their disobedience. In other words, they didn't believe what the Word of God said. Now, most of us, why? Because they didn't think they could take the giants in the land. How many of us don't do what God said because we don't think we can take the giants in our life? And so, because they rejected that, they did not enter into, listen to this word, the rest of God, of the people of God. All right? So the context is don't harden your heart to the word of God. Then he tells the story, now now come to verse 9 of Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 9 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience or unbelief. There is a rest for the people of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have a rest? Yeah? Here's what Hebrews is telling us. Here's the context of Hebrews 4.12. There is a rest for the people of God. And here's the way to miss it, and here's the way to find it. You miss it when you don't listen and respond to the words of God. You get it when you hear and respond to the Word of God, for the Word of God is living and powerful, able. Well, how do I know whether I'm getting it? Well, you know, the Word of God itself will cut through all the crud and will let you know what the truth is. So in context, you know what Hebrews 4.12 is telling us? There's a rest for you. There's a rest for you. Anybody interested? I'm the only one here. Here, Maybe I need to define rest. Webster's Dictionary of Rest. Number one, cease from your works. No more self-effort. Stop trying to live this life from the power of the flesh by psychology, manipulation, and philosophies of men. Many of us read what other people say and try it. We read the Word of God and say that won't work. You let somebody... How many of you are on a diet? Raise your hand, Connie. How many of you have tried some of the fad diets? Okay. Yeah. And any new one that comes out, it might work. And here's the Word of God saying, take care of the temple. Yeah, but that don't work. 
The problem's not with the... You see, I think that God's going to tell me what to do and I can't do it. The Word of God is living and powerful. When God tells you what to do, guess who's going to do it? With the Word He gives you, within that Word is the power to do it. What does it ask of me? Believe Him. In the Word you get is the power to accomplish it. What do I do? I go and ask God what He's saying. When I get what He's saying, and I respond to it with belief and with action and attitude, I find that the power... Now, when's it going to happen? I don't know. How's it going to happen? I don't know. Here's what I know. Once I have a word, it's going to happen. Because it's God, and it's His Word. Ready for the second one? Free from disturbance. Anybody want to be free from worry? Free from hassles? Free from whatever hassles you. Now, and I'm not talking about your wife and kids or your husband. To be free from guilt and the things which drive us crazy. Basically, what this saying is, this rest is a peace with God that no, there's no condemnation anymore about my standing with Him and me. That's rest. The finished work of, cross, of the cross has accomplished its work. It's accomplished it for me. And I can rest. I can lay down in, in that reality. The next, the next definition is to, to lie down, to be settled or to fix. God's rest is the kind of rest where you're rooted and established and grounded in Christ. Unmovable and abounding in His presence and love. Where are you going to get that? You're going to get that from Scripture. You're going to get that from the Word of the Lord, from the Word of God. And then the final one is to remain confident. Something that's a something I can rest on. It, it is something that's established. It's something that is fixed. It's something that you can be sure of. You can lay the whole weight of your life upon one who is absolutely faithful. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That's the rest. God wants you to know His Word to hear His Word and respond to His Word in order that you might enter into the rest for the people of God. It's not just talking about heaven, you know, well, I'm going to rest when I get to heaven. How about resting as you go? Now, I'm not talking about inactivity. Let me tell you something. God's power will work your tail off. You understand what I'm saying? When God says a word and you respond and He does something... All heaven breaks loose. But you see, here's the thing. Most of us would rather read what uh, psychologist so-and-so said and what the new teaching is and what the new schools are saying. and what we, we read what everybody else says and wonder if it'll work. And we forfeit the Word of God that God says it'll work every time. Well, how do you enter this rest? By knowing what God said. Okay? But it's not just printed page. It's not you going to the book and interpreting it any way you want to. It's not for you looking up and finding the definitions and making it say what you want it to do. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. But that doesn't mean that's what God's saying. 
In fact, the Scripture says no prophecies of uh, personal interpretation. The whole point I'm trying to say is to you is that it's, here's the thing we've got to do. We've got to let this be God's Word. In other words, God's the one that gave it in the beginning. He's the one that's going to be interpreting it in the end. But in between. You see, I've discovered something. What God has said, He is saying, and He will say. And it may just be a little different. And it's kind of like, how many uh, recipes you think are? You remember peanuts? You remember the guy that took peanuts and all of the creations he made out of the one peanut? The oil, all of the things that he could do with peanuts. Now, wait a minute. It was just a peanut. We raised peanuts on the farm. You know what peanuts are good for? Coke. Surely y'all know what I'm talking about. Pour them peanuts, salted peanuts in a Coke. Anybody not done that? You need to have an experience. It'll change your life. Peanuts will never be the same again. Peanuts. This one guy, and I wish I'd have looked it up. This just came to mind. Of how many things he took a peanut and created from a peanut or, or a produced. Let me say it that way. He, George Washington Carver. Thank you. And all of the... Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. The Word of God is a seed... And God, the limit to the seed is what God can do with what He said. There's no limit. The one who said it can accomplish it. The seed is the same. Follow me? It's His Word. But when I let Him say what He's saying and respond to it with faith... All of the things that he can do with his word are unbelievable and inclusive. What I'm trying to say to you folks is that we have the average family in America has five of these. How many of you have more than five? I have a computer program that has over uh, 60 different translations. We got it. We got it. We, my daddy would say, you got it running out your nose. You got enough scripture to run out your nose. And here's the thing. We don't know what we know. You got to let God. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Take your scripture. And instead of reading it out of duty and out of performance in the morning when you wake up or when you get home this afternoon, open the book and say, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? Maybe you're hearing something in your mind and you've got a word. And you, you've heard us talk about these words from God and, and you've got this word going on in your mind and you think, well, I don't have any clue. I don't know if that's God or not. Let me ask you a question. Why don't you just go to the Scripture and say, God, if this is you, show me. How many of you have heard something in your mind and then a Scripture pop in because you've known what the Word says? What I'm trying to say is God can speak and He will confirm it with His Word because the seed hadn't changed. But here's the thing. Don't let the Word become men's words. Let the Word stay God's Word. God is the one who will teach you. He's the author and the finisher. He's the author of your faith. And don't let somebody teach you something that is contradictory to the clear teaching of what the Word's saying. 
In other words, here's what I'm trying to say as a preacher. There's not going to be a new word. There's just going to be a word that reveals what God has already said. There's a seed. Jesus told the parable of the soils. You remember it? Parable of the soils, the seed and the sower. God went out to sow it. He sowed, sowed seed and some fell on the wayside and some fell uh, under rocks and some among the thorns and then finally some in the good soil. And each of them had different responses. But it wasn't because of the seed. It was because of the soils. And they asked Jesus, Jesus, what does this mean? And he said to them, the, the parable is this, that the seed is the word of God. And it's being scattered. And it falls on different kind of soils. The soils are the hearts of men. So my question to you this morning is not, is the word of God sufficient? Is the word of God truth? Is the word of God reliable? What I'm asking you this morning is, what's the condition of your heart for the word of God, for the seed to be planted? You see, if the seed abides alone, it bears no fruit. But when it's planted... The implanted word of the God of, of the Lord produces much fruit. And here's the thing I've discovered about this scripture. The same word that divides tenderizes, penetrates. I was raised on a farm. You know what we did with hard ground? We plowed it. How many of you have ever been plowed by the word of God? You were headed one direction and God's word says this and all of a sudden you look at where you're at and you see what God said and now you've got a decision to make and it's in that plowing and the breaking of the fallow ground of your own attitudes and hearts that God is able to prepare our soil to receive a seed that will produce what God's purposed. God wants you to enter His rest this morning. There abides a rest for the people of God. The word of God the person, the dynamic declaration, and the document are all combined. I'm not talking about three things. I'm talking about one thing. It takes all of it. The Holy Spirit enlightening and looming the written document to where it becomes a living power in your life. And let me tell you, when you get that kind of word, I came to New Covenant Church 31 years ago this month with a word from the Lord. Now let me tell you, we came with an invitation. But we didn't come here because we had an invitation. We didn't come here because we liked it. Now we did, but we didn't come here because we liked it. I told the men that I was talking to, I've got to have a word from the Lord. So here's what I did. I knew what God had said and been doing in Connie and mine and our family's life. I knew what God had already said to me that had been confirmed that there was about to become a change. I knew all of that. I didn't know when, didn't know how, didn't know where. Got an invitation. In fact, he got two invitations. Two invitations. One to go to a county seat church and one to go to a church that didn't have a seat. I'm serious. Didn't, we didn't, didn't know basically where we were going to go. And God gave me a word. Now listen to me. I had an invitation. They said, we want you to come. And I said, I've got to have a word. Now, I already knew a lot of things, and I could have just went with what I already knew. But here's the thing I've discovered. When, if, if God gives me a word and I believe the word, it has the power to keep me. It's kept me for 31 years. 
And God gave Connie and I a specific word that we were to come here. Now, the here wasn't in that scripture. You understand? He didn't say Lampasas. You know what the scripture said? Hill country. And here's what also the scripture said. I will be with your going in and your coming out from this day forward. And I'll not let the sun strike you by day or the moon by night. I'm going to protect your going in and your coming out. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to do exactly what I've said. I called him back and said, we're coming. We're not coming because we have an invitation. We're not coming because this is what we want to do. We're coming because I have a word from the Lord and I know it's going to work because God said it. When you hear a word and you think maybe a decision's coming up with your circumstances of life, here, let me give you a clue. What has God said? What does it mean to you? And how are you going to respond? What's God saying? Well, I, I hear this, but I don't know what. Ask Him, God, would you show me? And then just in your daily reading, see what pops up. See what He says. Be attentive that this word that you're reading is alive and active. Trust him. I could go on, but I quit. Let's be a people who seizes the Word of God. What I want to do is give you a hunger to get back in the book. I want to give you a hunger to get back in the book, not so what you can learn or argue or or beat somebody else up with. I want you to get in the book for what God's going to say to you because what He says to you, He's going to do. I want you to get it. I want you to enter into the rest of of God. Stand with me, would you? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us. Thank you that you give us precious promises that when your word goes out, whether it's spoken, whether it's written, whether it's a, it, it, it's going to be powerfully effective because it's your word. But it's not just men, words of men, it's words of God. Lord, would you make your word sufficient today for the circumstances of life that our people find themselves in. Father, would you give guidance and, and, and Lord, would you give them protection? Would you give them instruction in righteousness? Would you let them know how to stand on the living Word of God and rest that it will come to pass? We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.